You're listening to the Mission Bitcoin Podcast. Hey, welcome everybody to the Mission Bitcoin Podcast, where each week we explore Christian responsibility in adopting Bitcoin. I'm Matt Solik, your host, and we're glad to have you with us. Today, Patrick meets with Herman of Bitcoin Ecosi in South Africa. Herman has been working with youth in a township near Mossel Bay, South Africa for nearly a decade. He teaches them life skills through surfing while providing lunches and basic hygiene. Herman started the Bitcoin Ecosi program in August with a unique combination of payment platforms that they discuss today. This is really an inspiring interview and quite unique. So with that, let's jump into today's episode with Herman of Bitcoin. And hey, Herman, thanks for joining us today. Um, I've got Herman Vivier on the line and, and uh, Herman is in South Africa and Herman is starting a, a Bitcoin community. We hooked up, um, I believe, on Twitter first and then um, on Telegram. And I just wanted to learn about his program in South Africa and give him an opportunity to kind of share what he's doing and find commonality. So Herman, for the audience sake, if you could just kind of... Um, Describe who you are, uh, where you are, and what you're doing. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, how's it? Uh, first of all, thank you very much for having me. Um, I, I appreciate the, the opportunity to talk to you. Um, yeah, it, it was on Twitter that we first uh, got introduced to each other. Um, and uh, it's as a result of a, a similar interest in, um, in getting Bitcoin uh, into a local community. Um, so basically, I'm I'm South African. I was born here. I grew up here. Uh, my family's been here for for ages, um, several generations. And um, my wife and I started a, a community-based uh, non-profit organization ten years ago, um, whereby we recruit children from a local township and teach them surfing. The program runs five days a week, uh, all year round. And um, yeah, we've been doing that since 2010. And um, I've been I've been involved in Bitcoin for quite some time. Um, I, uh, I first became interested uh, in the wake of the uh, of the banking crisis in Cyprus. Um, I had um, some friends who who experienced that, and um, that led me down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, and um, been reading about it ever since uh, fascinated by the technology and what, what it can do for, for people. Um, and then when I first did an interview with Michael Peterson in 2019, I, I heard him on the what, what Bitcoin did podcast. And it, it just, the idea just occurred to me that I could probably do something similar with, with our NPO um, seeing as we had the existing platform. Um, and it's it's been pretty well established in the community for for quite some time. I figured we could probably use that as a platform to to start something similar, uh, a type of Bitcoin community. And um, yeah, that idea finally uh, finally came to fruition in sort of halfway through 2021, uh, which is when we received a Bitcoin donation. Um, that was that was following uh, uh, an interview I did, uh, which was based on one of the articles I wrote for Bitcoin Magazine, and I don't know, I'm not can't remember quite 
how we got onto it, but but the person doing the interview asked me about the NPO we've been running, and uh, there's some sort of philosophical similarities between what we've been doing there and Bitcoin itself, and and so the two just sort of linked up with each other, and um, yeah, we got that donation of Bitcoin, and I thought, well, this is yeah, that's that's basically what we need to start doing this. So we've been paying our coaches a portion of their salary, and they've been spending that at. Uh, three shops that we've onboarded um not large amounts uh we started very small and we're still keeping it small until we figured things out because it's still quite early days um but yeah that's that's pretty much the overview that's that's really that's really great herman what um you know this is a a christian-based podcast and and i don't only interview uh christian organizations or or strictly Christians, but the, the, the NGO that you, you and your wife started, are there any Christian connections there or this is just out of the, just a, um, out of a, a desire to help the community? Um, we, it's not a, it's not a religious uh, based NPO. Um, the cultural differences between, between my background and, and the people we generally work with from the townships are, are quite vast. Um, so we've we've kept it uh, we've kept it non-religious, but it it they they are how can I put it they are sort of you know I, I guess I guess one would call it um, a humanist type type sure. thing. We basically we basically use surfing to I mean it's 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 all about social development really. And, sure. and what we've what what we've noticed is that it 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 wasn't always like this when we when we started we just wanted to do something cool for the kids because we saw the kids basically sitting around being bored and 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 we just started doing surf lessons and then with time surfing sort of showed itself to be a very good medium through which to teach uh, commitment um because it's got such a steep learning curve that mm. we what what we found was that the kids who stuck around um learned the value of of long-term commitment towards a goal that takes a lot of hard work and and dedication to to reach and um we sort of took that as a sort of a social value and um you know i, I mean i i have i have my religious beliefs and and so does the community but but they aren't the same understood so, okay well yeah. what so herman let let i i those are fascinating points i i kind of want to pull each one of those strings but um, before we do that, um, where where exactly in South Africa are you? And if you could just kind of describe the setting of, of where you are. Sorry, I think I lost you there for a second. That's okay. Uh, for, for the audience, the Zoom connection is pretty dodgy for some reason. Uh, Herman, if you could just describe where you are in South Africa and just kind of describe the setting of, of, of where you are. Okay. Um, so we are in, in um, as, as far south as you can possibly go on the continent of Africa. Um, we are on the southern, somewhere around the southernmost tip of the continent. Um, so for, for reference, Cape Town is about, uh, about 400 kilometers to the west of where we are. So the nearest uh, big city is, is Cape Town, which is about four or five hours drive from here so we we're in the vicinity of Cape Town um, Cape Town being being one of South Africa's capital cities um, the town that we are based in is called Mossel Bay uh, Mossel Bay is a 
sort of a large town in South African terms. It's, there's about 100,000 people in the town. And there's a particular part of the town that we focus on, and it's a community that is located on the outskirts of the town. Um, these, these, these sort of townships, as they are referred to colloquially, um, are generally very poor areas, and they are located on the, on the outskirts, look for work, but then they end up not being able to afford uh, decent living, living conditions, so they congregate in, in, in these townships, which is sort of um, not, well, a bit, which is very much a, a sort of a remnant of the apartheid era. Um, yeah. These days, the, the separation between the actual town and the township is more economic than, than race-based. Um, obviously, the racial policies have been scrapped uh, since, since the, the early 90s when apartheid ended. Um, but, but, the, but, the, but the hangover is very much still there. And it, it looks, if for, for all practical purposes, it still looks very similar to what it did back then. Uh, you've got very, very large, very, very poor areas that surround uh, centers of economic activity and the disparity or the inequality between, between the haves and the haves nots are, are, are massive. So, you know, there's, there's a fairly significant part of the population that live in absolute mansions, you know, six, seven bedroom houses with ensuite bathrooms in every single room. And then you've got a stone's throw away, uh, people living in absolute squalor, mm. um, you know, where, where houses are built from scrap material and they, they're built on top of each other and, and people really live in, in quite horrid circumstances. So the, 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 the community that we're based in is, is one of these townships. That's where we recruit the children from. Um, we focus on, on one of the poorest areas in, in the town where we are based. Um, it's not only because we, we don't focus on that area only because it's one of the poorest, but also because it's walking distance to the beach. So okay. it's sort of a, this is probably the key reason why the program that we started has lasted this long is because we've got that proximity between the beach and the township. We can use surfing on a daily basis. So it's not a, it's not a once a week or a twice a week thing. It happens five days a week. And so it's quite, it's quite sustainable in that sense. So it just so happens that, it's very unfortunate that people have to live like this, but for the people who do live in that particular township, it's a happy, it's a happy, happy coincidence they, that they are so close to the beach because that gives us the ability to do what we do. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. What compelled you ten years ago to start what what you're doing? I, I don't know. It, 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 it's it's hard to put it into words. You know, it's it's not a, it's not something that I can easily define. But but I guess it's just a sort of a one could describe it as a, as a, as a type of a, a spiritual connection to something much bigger than myself. And mm. I just feel as if the purpose, the purpose of, 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 of my life at least is to do whatever I can to, to try and improve the circumstances of, of other people as far as I can with, without um, sort of affecting my own life negatively. If, if, if I can do something without, it being of any detrimental uh, consequences to myself, then then it's my responsibility to do as much as I can, as far as possible, um, to to try and change things for the better. What was um, your what What was your background? I, it, it, it wasn't anything. I mean, I guess I guess one could also describe it in in a in a in a more practical way. 
when we started the NPA, we also we also launched a tourism business. Been been operating this tourism business since then as well. And I think one of the things we wanted to incorporate into our tourism business was to give tourists to South Africa a more authentic experience of the country. Because you know, the only thing I can compare it to, the the only other country I've ever been to that that reminds me of the situation here is India, where you've got these masses of people living in absolute poverty. Um, but, but the difference I experienced when I was in India was that it's unavoidable. Whereas in South Africa, it's always hidden behind, behind a wall. So it's very easy as a tourist to come to South Africa and feel like you've just traveled to a warm version of Europe. Um, if you don't go out of your way to, to sort of reach behind the wall and, and experience what more than 95% of the country actually live like. So by, by incorporating this sort of effort into the tourism business, we were hoping to, to make the overall experience for tourism more authentic. But it, it has obviously since then, it's sort of developed into its own separate organization. That's, that's great. The, uh, and, and when you were describing the, the living conditions, I was thinking of India exactly uh, as you described it. Um, but that's an interesting, interesting distinction. And since you've been doing this now for 10 years, the, the life skills or the social skills that you've instilled in some of these children, I mean, what kind of results have you seen? Can you kind of give us a anecdote of, of children that have gone through the program and what they've gone on to do um, through the life lessons they've learned? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the most significant things um, that we've, we've seen this in quite a few kids where uh, I just spoke to one of them this morning who's been in the program for, for six years now. And this past festive season um, was the first time that he qualified as a lifeguard to work on one of the local beaches. So um, because we live in a very popular uh, destination for local tourists, um, over the Christmas, New Year season, people flock to the beaches and some of these beaches are quite dangerous. So the local government um, posts lifeguards to the beaches over the holiday season for a period of about two months. And, and it's because he's, th this, particular, this particular boy is only 16 years old, uh, but because of the experience he's had in our program, uh, he was able to qualify as a lifeguard. Um, it's, it's not the first time this has happened. Kids... It, it's happened in previous years as well, where we encouraged kids to qualify as lifeguards. But but this was now his first season, and he he spoke to me this morning about what it was like for him the first time saving somebody's life. Um, so you you had this you had this adult person who was a holiday maker and um, had had almost drowned and probably would have drowned if it wasn't wasn't for for the intervention. Um, and so he was describing this experience to me and. It was like, I mean, I'd, I'd only, I'd, I'd last seen seen this this kid um, uh, four weeks earlier. And four weeks later, after having had this experience, pulling somebody from the ocean, saving their life, it was like talking to a different person. Mm. Um, because he's gone through that experience of, of, of saving a life. Um, and yeah, that, that's probably one of the, one of the more stark uh, experiences, seeing that transformation 
That's fantastic. Um, Herman, describe the, the genesis of, you know, what, what you're doing with Bitcoin, um, how you started educating the, the children and the vendors. It just kind of describe the program that you're trying to implement there. Um, I guess, I guess it started when, I mean, it, it's been, it's been several years now where I've sort of known that we are quite limited in, in how many children we can help simply because of physical constraints. So, I mean, just, just as one example, the, the building that we use as our headquarters at the beach can only house so much equipment, um, you know, we, 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 we can only employ so many coaches and they can only take so many children into the ocean at a time, et cetera, et cetera. So we have our physical constraints. Um, we've got about 40 children in, enrolled in the program and they, they attend the program five days a week. Um, but, but beyond that, it's very difficult to, to scale this sort of program any bigger. And so I've, you know, when, when I heard the effect that Bitcoin Beach had on an entire community, it suddenly dawned on me that, you know, this is, this is something, Bitcoin is something that's bigger than all of us. And it has this way of, it, 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 it has this way of, of changing a person's priorities, if I could put it that way. So, whereas before somebody might've, you know, spent, spent their money buying energy drinks, they would rather now save that money and do something more useful with it further down the line. And, 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 and that sort of ethos can change an entire community as, as was evidenced by what happened in El Zante. So for me, it was a way of using the NPO that, that we've established to have a wider impact than what the NPO could have on its own. I guess that's probably the best way to, to think about its genesis and then where the where the idea sort of came from. But obviously, obviously it was directly inspired by what um, Michael Peterson and his team did in El Zonta and Bitcoin Beach. I mean, if it wasn't for those guys, I probably wouldn't have, I wouldn't have come up with the idea on my own, I don't think. Yeah, for sure. And so how to describe the process of introducing Bitcoin to the community? What, I mean, how are you doing that? Um, so me personally, um, I, I manage, I manage uh, things from from home um i try and work in the background as far as possible we've got we've got one senior coach and three junior coaches uh, one of whom is the the kid i just spoke about who who spent his first season working as a lifeguard and so this this one senior coach plus his three junior assistants they they, they are the face of the organization in the community and so they would basically just uh go up into the community uh which they already do to recruit children so everybody Everybody up there knows them and, and, and has known them for, for many years. So they've got the trust of the community. And they would basically just go and talk to the shop owners about what Bitcoin E is and what you can do with it. And um, so most of my time, I've, I've spent educating the four of them. And then they would take that and, and, and do their best to, to transfer that knowledge over to the shop owners and try and highlight the the potential benefits um, as well as the, but the things that one has to consider before making the decision to start using Bitcoin. So they, they would try and give 
give a, a sort of an honest overview of what you can and what you cannot do with this. Um, most, most of their time, I think, is actually just a matter of illustrating how it works rather than being a sort of a theoretical introduction. They, we try to talk to the shop owners um, through, through illustration by, by using apps like BitRefill to, to buy airtime or data for the mobile phone with Bitcoin and using um, platforms like Paxful and, 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 and illustrating that it's easily convertible in and out of Bitcoin and, and doing things like sending really small transactions back and forth between two wallets to illustrate the point that it's, it's easily transferable, it works like cash, but you can send it over the internet, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's, it's not a very theoretical process, but more of a practical illustrative process that they that they go through with with the vendors, and then, um, and then once a vendor is on board, um, we would get them set up with a wallet, and uh, they would spend, in US dollar terms, it's only been probably about no more than than forty fifty dollars a week, uh, spread out between three or four shops. So it's it's really been quite small because obviously with the volatility, we don't want to scare the shop owners off um from from the get-go you know yeah that's a great point but who who's spending the okay so who i guess number one who's spending the bitcoin is it just among the shop owners or who's coming to the shop to buy with bitcoin so that's that's our coaches so they they okay they've been earning they've, they've been earning a portion of their salary um and not not the majority of their salary but probably um between 20, between 20 and 30% of their salary um, has been paid in Bitcoin since August last year. And okay. in fact, everything that they've earned in Bitcoin has been over and on top of the salary that they were earning prior to that. So it's not as if the Bitcoin portion of their salary has diminished the fiat portion. They still earn what they used to earn in fiat. It's just that they're now earning a little bonus on top of that in Bitcoin. Um, obviously, they're not earning massive salaries. I mean, we're talking about um, our, our senior coach, which is the which is the the only one earning a so-called you know full salary, uh, because the other kids are still finished. You know, the the the, the, the junior coaches are all still um, finishing high school, so they don't actually work full time. The senior coach is the only one that works full time, and he's been earning in fiat. He's 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 earned sure, conversion rates in my head. Um, he's been earning probably about. $300 a month. Um, so he, and he gets probably another $100 a month on top of that in Bitcoin, which has sort of been a little bonus. Uh, well, a, a considerable, considerable bonus um, that we've been paying since we initiated the Bitcoin aspect of the program. So they, they've, they've been earning a portion of their salary in Bitcoin and they are the ones who spend it at the shops. Okay. Um, that's not, sorry, I'll go ahead. No, no, no. That's a that's a great that's a great uh, model. I think. Um, I guess what I was going to ask also is, do wh I mean, what's the cell phone? No, I lost you there again for a second. That's okay, uh, Herman. What what's the cell phone usage in South Africa? Um, cell cell phones are are, are are quite ubiquitous. So it's very common for somebody to 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 have a phone. Um, I think I think it's one of the reasons why we are quite 
quite confident that 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 what we're trying to do can work. Um, it's it's far it's far easier to get a cell phone than it is to get a bank account. Um, so cheap cheap devices, you know, you can you can get a a fairly decent cell phone for you know for for far less than than a hundred dollars, maybe even fifty or sixty dollars. Um, you can get a fairly decent phone that can do everything you need it to do if you want to transact Bitcoin. Um, so cell phone usage is very common. Uh, data costs are, are, are quite high, um, but fortunately we don't have to obviously use a huge amount of data. Um, but yeah, cell, phone, cell phones are, are, are ubiquitous. It's, it's quite easy to get hold of. And Herman, do you do you plan to have the younger children in the program access Bitcoin with Lightning wallets? Um, I guess, yeah. As as the, I guess I guess we're what what we're focused on right now is to get more shop vendors on board. Um, that's that's our first priority, and then and then slowly but surely, I think we will start start um start rolling it out to to more of the younger kids the the youngest ones at the moment are the junior coaches and 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 the youngest one of them is 15. so obviously you know obviously because we're dealing with money and responsibility we want to take it as as slow as possible i'd rather i'd rather do things slower rather than move too quickly and make a mistake somewhere so but 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 i think eventually we would like to move to the younger kids as well. And even if it's just a couple of sets per week, you get them to start grasping the concept of, 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 of financial, you know, responsibility. Um, but yeah, for now we focused on, on onboarding more, more shops. That's great. And would in the future, would you, ha- if the, if the younger children are involved, would you have any sort of social program or um, clean up along the beaches or some sort of chores that they can do to earn sats that is there is there an opportunity like that for the children to to earn sats yeah absolutely i mean um you know just uh we wouldn't we wouldn't even have to reach out beyond the program that we are running to to find work for them to do so there's always like there's always little tasks you know the the premises have to be kept clean on a daily basis. Um, you know, one 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 of the junior coaches um, who who is is earning uh, a part of his salary in Bitcoin now has actually completely taken over the cooking duties from the senior coach, which has which has freed up a lot of time for the senior coach to do to do other things. So so there's cooking duties, there's cleaning duties, there's um, you know, we 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 brush the kids' teeth on a daily basis. Otherwise, they show up with dental problems. Mm. Have you considered um, incorporating anything like Bitcoin mining um, into the operation? I'm I'm sure you guys get plenty of sunshine. Um. Yeah, that's not something that we've looked at yet. I I don't know if I'm technical enough. <laughs> I've been <laughs> I've been I've been stretched to the limits of my technical technical abilities um just getting all the different different wallets for the shop owners figured out and you know lightning qr codes and um and 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 getting these things integrated into our website as best as possible um i've I've never been much of a developer um my interest in bitcoin since the 
the early days has always been more philosophical. I mean, I, I can help myself and I, I run full notes from home and that sort of thing. But when it comes to mining, I, I don't think, I don't think that's something we'll, I mean, if, if we do, if we move in that direction, there's, there's, there's other obstacles like lightning full notes that we'd probably tackle first. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, the reason I mentioned that is that's kind of one of our goals in Guatemala is to create um, economic opportunity and establish a reliable electrical grid using Bitcoin mining as kind of the, the basis for that. And there's, you know, I'm not that technical either, but it, I've been amazed at the the number of people that have reached out on Twitter to um, potentially help with what we're doing in Guatemala. And I'm thinking that potentially for you with what you're doing, especially with the, the township, um, I'm sure the electrical grid and the reliability of electricity there is probably pretty poor. So that might be something to kind of explore in the future. And I can certainly um, continue to share my experience and what we're doing. I mean, we're trying to, we're trying to create a, a template that, you know, a, a black box uh, experience, so to speak, that we can just say, here's what, how we did it. And this is what you need to do to, to create, to do Bitcoin mining and create this, this energy grid. Um, so I definitely would be interested in sharing that with you in the future. Where do you, where do you want this to go uh, as far as, you know, the dream with, with Bitcoin for you and South Africa and the townships? I mean, in 10 years, where, where would you like to see this go? Um, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think, I think short term, obviously, like I mentioned, we'd like to get more shops on board and then in, 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 in the mid mid term sort of over the next sort of maybe, maybe year, we'd like to maybe try and move in a direction where we have more, uh, dedicated software implementations, um, set up for, for our specific effort. Cause at the moment we, we're working with sort of off the shelf stuff. So wallets that you download from the Google play store, um, is kind of what we're working with now, which is not ideal because our, our requirements are obviously quite different. So I think over the next sort of year or so, I'd like to get in touch with the people who can help us put that into place. And then I think in, in, in the longer term, in the longer term, what I'd like to do is, um, is, is really try and emulate what what they've been able to do in El Zante with Bitcoin Beach, where, you know, I think I think there's always been a misconception with people who, it, there's, there's been a misconception that people who don't earn a lot of money are not interested in saving. Um, I think if, if one can give a person, even if they're not earning a huge amount of money, but if they, if, 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 if they can be given the opportunity to save for the future, in a way that actually makes sense, then then that in itself is a mind shift that can potentially lead to other far more positive influences making their way into their life. You know, um, I'm I'm not a massive fan of the term fiat mentality, but but there is something which which is which is working in in the minds of people who are used to operating on a monetary standard that's constantly being devalued. And obviously inflation is, is very much a reality in South Africa as well. And especially in poorer communities where things like food expenses form a, large, uh, form a much larger part of, of, of a person's, uh, person's spending. I mean, if you're living hand to mouth, then most of what you're earning goes into paying for food. 
and food, food inflation food prices has been somewhere between 20 and 30% year on year. Mm-hmm. So I don't think a, a person who earns money in, in, in fiat currency is, is naturally um, or by default rather um, encouraged not to save. Um, and if you're not earning a lot of money, then there's no way to really protect yourself against inflation. Because what you would do traditionally to protect yourself against inflation is, is buy property or, or invest in stocks or whatever. Um, but that's, that avenue is not available to people who don't earn, earn enough to explore those avenues. So with Bitcoin, you've got this unique opportunity where you can give somebody an avenue to save that actually makes sense. I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense anymore to save fiat money in a bank account, not with interest rates where they are. Um, you know, so it, it, that just doesn't make sense. So Bitcoin, Bitcoin gives a person that ability, even if they can only save $5 a week, it still makes sense to save it. Um, so I think, I think eventually we'd like to, like to get the community, the broader community involved in this by way of, of encouraging them to adopt Bitcoin as a form of savings on a small scale to start off with. Um, and, and maybe we, we could get the shops involved there where the shops could actually act as a sort of a distribution point for people interested in that because, you know, we, we are giving, not giving, but, you know, we're giving the shops access to SATs by spending the SATs at, at their establishment and they can sell those onto the community. So at some point, we haven't done this yet, but at some point we are going to start reaching out to community members and, and tell them, look, if you're interested in saving in a way that makes sense, then there's this opportunity available to you. You can literally go to one of these shops and buy a couple of stats and see what happens. That's that's a great that's a great model. I, I really like that. What 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 wallet are you guys using? <laughs> I'm gonna embarrass myself if I describe this to you. Um but um <laughs> Somebody else recently asked me what's our tech stack, and I told them, "Dude, we don't have a tech stack. We've got a, we've got a, a very loosely, loosely knitted together, um, sort of smorgasbord of, of solutions. But basically, we're using a combination of Allen Textbot on Telegram, uh, Moon, and Blue Wallet. We're, we're using Moon Wallet because Moon Wallet makes it very easy." For a non-technical user to move in and out of lightning, uh, or rather in between lightning and on-chain. Um, so, if if our coaches, for example, are earning their their salary in Sats on a weekly basis, but they want to save some of it, then obviously you don't want to you don't want to save that in a lightning channel. You'd like to move that to an on-chain wallet at some point, and so Moon makes that really easy. You can send from a different Lightning wallet into Moon. And then with Moon, you can convert that into an on-chain transaction by sending it to an actual Bitcoin address from Moon. So we're using Moon for that conversion in and out of on-chain and Lightning. And then we're using Allen, we're using a combination of Allen TechSpot and Blue Wallet because um, Blue Wallet is one of the few wallets that lets you convert uh, Bitcoin to the local fiat currency. So vendors can price their goods in the local fiat currency, but receive sats. And then Allen TechSpot is one of the few wallets that can generate a static uh, Allen URL code for receiving payments. 
So we're using um, LNURL pay static QR codes, which we've stuck up in the shops, lam printed, laminated, stuck up in the shop. So that when the coaches come in and they want to buy something, the vendor just gives them the total in the local fiat currency and they can scan the QR code, enter the payment details and send it off without the vendor having to, um, um, without the vendor having to uh, create an invoice. Okay. So the Allen text bot is a, is a lightning text bot on Telegram. So you basically, um, you basically install Telegram as the, you know, the chat, chatting instant messaging app. And Allen text bot is a bot that you add by messaging at lightning tip bot. Yeah. So you, you can create a static you, uh, QR code, a lightning QR code with that with that tip bot? Yeah, so that tip bot lets you create a static uh, LN URL uh, uh, payment uh, code. Um, and then what you can do is you can connect that Lightning tip bot to Blue Wallet. So Blue Wallet acts like a remote control for the Lightning tip bot wallet. So, so the wallet is actually in, in the Telegram uh, messaging app but you can control it using, using Blue Wallet, which has obviously got a much better interface. Wow, okay, that's um, great. So that's, yeah, that's pretty much how we've been doing it. It's a bit of a, bit of a loosely organized effort, but for somebody who's a non-technical, non non-development background, it's, it's, it's as, as much as I could have done <laughs> have you, have the you, last couple of months. Have you looked at the, the Bitcoin Beach Wallet? I have, yes. Um, the only the, the 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 main problem with that is conversion to local fiat currency. Um, so that's that's our that's our biggest problem with most of the wallets, to be honest. Um, yeah. There are other wallets that are fantastic. I mean, I, I really like um, I really like the Phoenix wallet. Um, the way they've been able to sort of make a almost almost fully self custodial um, Lightning wallet. Um, you know, I, I'd really like that. Um, I also very much like um, uh, what's that? Um, uh, Simple Bitcoin wallet. Uh, that's the, also a very nice wallet. The wallet of Satoshi uh, is that? Is that what you're referring to? Uh, no, that's a different one. But the wallet of, of Satoshi is also pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the the one I was referring to was um, uh, Simple Simple Bitcoin wallet. Um, SWB. Um, that's also really cool. So, but I mean, yeah, there's, there's so much, there's, there's been so much development. Um, it's, it's quite, I mean, it's, it's quite fantastic to see. I mean, if every time, every time I talk to anyone about this effort, I just have to reiterate that the amount of development that's gone on in lighting has just been incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's to those people. yeah, it's, it's hard to stay ahead. And, you know, I've got several wallets on my phone because, you find one that you like for some reason and you find another one that you like for another reason. So it's, it's really so, yeah. some, someone will come up with the killer, the killer app uh, for lightning. It's, it's just a matter, it's just a matter of time. Um, yeah. That's interesting. Very cool. Um, Herman, what, you know, if people want to follow you, what's the best way for people to connect with you? If they want to help with what you're doing, what's the best way for people to kind of connect with you? Um. At the moment, we're posting um, everything that we're doing on, on Twitter. Um, so our Twitter handle is Bitcoin Ekasi, uh, all one word. 
Uh, Ekasi is spelled E-K-A-S-I. Um, that's that's basically where we're posting uh, all our updates and stuff. Um, we haven't got a, a separate website for the project just just yet, um, but we obviously do have a, a a website for for the NPO that we're using as a platform. Um, that that NPO is called the Surfer Kids, and the website for that is just basically thesurferkids.com. Okay, great. And um, is Ekasi is that the name of the township? Um, Ekasi is a is a colloquial term that uh, is is derived from the local uh, Afrikaans word for location, which is Lukasi. Um, it's it's not actually an, an an indigenous African word, but it was appropriated into the African languages um, as a way of of referring to to the locations where they lived, and, and these locations were always located outside the major towns. Mm. So it, it sort of became adopted as a slang term. Um, initially, it, it, it might have been a bit derogatory, but but now it's been completely adopted into the language as a kind of a way to refer to the vibrant, the vibrant aspect of, of living in, in one of these locations. Mm. Very cool. Very cool. Herman, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate your time today. Cool. Thank you very much. No, I really appreciate it. Thanks for reaching out. Thank you for listening to the Mission Bitcoin podcast. To access the tools discussed today, be sure to use the links found in the show notes. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional.